It is Saturday, the 16th of May, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 85 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Now, it was a big week in the economic history of New Zealand. It wasn't really a big week on the stock market. The news for the most part was relatively tame compared to what it has been, but you had, a, I guess, a big week in the sort of macroeconomic sphere. So obviously, first off, you had the country going into level two. That was a pretty big deal. Everyone knows that it's going to be a pretty messed, messed up six months to a year or messed up over the short term. So I'm not really listening too much to all of the short term speculation. In fact, probably another disclaimer on this podcast, guys, maybe going to talk a little bit more about the political situation and macro situation than often, than, than normal, so maybe slightly different. What I really want to know, what I really want to hear is an idea of when the border's going to open again. Not not because I want to escape, <laughs> or I don't want to go on a holiday, but because I think that that is the big deal in all of this. Um, you know, I think you can close the country for a month and open again, open the borders again, and everything will go relatively back to normal. Um, you know, we do essentially do that every year at Christmas time. You know, we close in the middle of December and we open up in the middle of January, and everyone loves it. Um, and that's how I sort of felt about level four as well. Most people loved it. I certainly did. Um, every year since the 1950s, not that I was around then, mind you, but every year since the 1950s, New Zealand has gradually developed its economy to be dependent on a certain number of tourists or migration or students a year. Basically, they've, they've consistently since that time, the amount of people coming into the country has increased. And not having that for what looks like to be a sustained period is a big deal. And it's the flow and effects as well, that's a big deal. And what I would like to see from the government or from whoever is some sort of plan or idea about how we can get the border open. In my opinion, over the long term, having the border closed would be worse for the country than having the virus. So that, that's just my view. I think it needs to be one of those sort of work together type efforts to, you know, both political parties need to work together. It just needs to be one of those things where we need to sit down and figure out how we can safely do this as fast as possible. And they're talking about doing that with Australia and the Pacific Islands, and that's obviously the first steps. But it it needs to happen as soon as possible. And, and people sort of go, oh, but New Zealanders will travel within New Zealand. And that's true. Maybe if you're planning a holiday to the Gold Coast, maybe now you're going to go to, I don't know, the coast of Christchurch or something, or no, but you, you know, Kiwis can travel within within New Zealand more, but it's not the same thing. So, for example, when when I go on a weekend away to Tauranga or Fitianga or wherever, or you know, I might eat out one night. I'll probably go to Countdown the next night. I might do one of the tourist attractions, but I'm probably just going to chill out on the beach and go for a swim. I'm not the Chinese tourist that's that this is a trip of a lifetime for that's going to spend $20,000 on my trip. So there's, there's a big difference between people travelling within New Zealand and people coming in from overseas. I just find it so punishing watching these press conferences and the journalists just asking pretty much the same question every day about short-term things. And they're just not big deals in context. Like, I'm making this up. They'll go, do you think it's right, Prime Minister, 
that restaurants are allowed 100 people, but a person cannot have a party in their own home with close family and relatives of 12 people. What would you say to those people that can't have their party? And it's like, oh, give me strength. Ask some important questions. If if one of the you journalists are listening to this, please try and get some information about the border. That's what we should be talking about right now. Just want a basic plan, some sort of... I know it's nothing that they need to be held to, but the plan can change. But I think it's something that, that, that that's what we need to be talking about. So the budget also happened this week. Um, one thing I hate about politicians, I seem to be on a bit of a political rant today, maybe I slept badly, um, is how everyone's idea, and it's worse in the United States than what it is in New Zealand, for example, but how the other person's idea is always a bad one, it breaks me. So like if Jacinda Ardern say something, you know, no, no matter how logical it is, Simon Bridges will automatically think it's a terrible idea. And vice versa, if Simon Bridges say something, no matter how wonderful, Jacinda Ardern says it's a terrible idea. Like, they're both pretty smart people, right? You'd have to assume, I've never met them, but you'd have to assume they're pretty smart. How can they always both be wrong? And in, in this election... You know, I'm on the fence, by the way. I'm one of those swing voters, the, the type of guy that all the money is wasted on trying to get me to vote either way. I'll vote for the politician. I'll vote for a politician. Here we go. I'll vote for a politician who hears about another politician's idea and goes, yeah, that's actually quite a good idea. We will get them, get behind them and give support to get that done. That's what I want to see. Anyway, the budget. So they came out and had to spend a lot of money. It's no surprises there. They need to. Any government needs to. If they didn't do those sorts of things, like the wage subsidy, the interest-free loans, and all the other stuff they announced, then we could have like a 1930s Great Depression situation here. You know, if the free market was left to sort this out organically, then <laughs> it would be like driving from Dunedin to Queenstown at 6am in the morning. You'd see a lot of roadkill. Um, so everyone... Everyone that was interviewed after the budget came out seemed critical of it. All the economists that were interviewed afterwards said that the plan did not have any details. One of those economists actually, I actually asked to come on the podcast once and he asked me to pay him. Um, and that is why you haven't heard him on the podcast. <laughs> well, he said that there was no detail in it. The reporter asked him the classic question of, what would you do if, in that situation or words to the effect? And he pretty much couldn't answer the question. I enjoyed that bit and I was thinking, well, that's why I didn't want to pay you. Um, if that's what if that's the sort of information you're getting, why would I pay you? Um, anyway, they need to spend a lot of money quickly. Um, the economy's sort of like a flat tire right now, and it needs pumped up. It's not going to pump up itself. Um, the National Party, if it were in power, would have done the same thing. They would have spent a lot of money as well. You least hope they would have. Um, they might have chosen different approaches to to do it, and they might have spent it in different areas. And you can argue about what is right or wrong, but they still would have had a flat tire that they need would have needed to pump up. So. Yeah, that if the money needs to be pumped into the economy right now, and we're fortunate, and um, the 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 finance minister Grant Robinson said a similar thing. We're fortunate that we've been <clears throat> that previous people in his position, and he mentioned Bill English as well, which was good to see one politician mentioning a politician for another party. Um, we're fortunate to be in a situation due to prudent financial management in the past where we do have the resources to draw upon in an emergency situation like this so it's it's good to be a New Zealander at the moment the, com the country is going to take on a lot of debt but we're equipped to do it and we're equipped to handle it and you know we'll be able to once the economy does start up again we'll be able to reduce that debt pile down to a manageable level for the next time something like this happens and, there, and there's, there's always a next time in, in, in markets there's always times when you know government needs to step in and steer the ship in the right direction. 
Right, now turning to stocks, most of you would be pretty happy about this. Let's face it, you're not here to listen to my political views. Um, starting with Michael Hill Jewelers, all I seem to be talking about recently is retailers. I guess you know these are the companies which are most immediately affected by the crisis at the moment. So Michael Hill, MHJ on the NZX and the ASX. I think ASX is their primary listing these days. So 100 Australian stores and 25 New Zealand stores are going to be operating from today. So if you are pining to get out and get your loved one a piece of jewellery, now is your chance. So they've had strong digital sales over this period, which you'd expect. Um, that is obviously not enough to make up for the fact that none of the retail stores have been able to be open. I imagine jewellery is reasonably cyclical, like if you're going to splash out on an expensive ring, for example, for a loved one, there's a chance that you may decide to defer it at the moment, and certainly I know that's going to be um, happening with a, a lot of weddings. The company did say there was some pent-up demand, which is sort of alludes to my quote then that if you're planning to get out to your loved one and get your jewellery now is a chance. So there is some pent-up demand due to the lockdown, but you know, that's a short-term thing like a lot of the pent-up demand at the moment. So they've said reducing costs, non-essential expenditure, and they've described reducing as reducing the cost of doing business as well, which is, you know, getting rid of all unnecessary costs like everyone else at the moment. They're anticipating after this pent-up demand is over an ongoing impact on revenue and profitability, which, you know, if you thought for two seconds about the jewellery business you'd be expecting. Um, they're closing stores, five in Australia, three in New Zealand and one in Canada. They call this to date, so it could be a lot more. There's nothing remarkable about big retailers closing a few stores. It does happen reasonably often, um, you know, a lot of retailers are always opening and closing stores, but I guess the fact is they're not going to be opening any for a while, and they mentioned two dates, so I guess they're starting with the stores that are, I guess, the least marquee and the least profitable, probably, and they may move on to other ones, depending on how this shakes out. The stock is at $0.35, cents, which is cheap relative to its historical earning power, but I guess they're heading into a, a period where earnings are going to be a lot less than what they historically were, so it's not unsurprising to see the stock down there. Uh, let's do another retailer, that's Helen Steins. Um, like Michael Hill, these guys are reopening the stores. They have also experienced strong online sales. They actually came out with a few numbers as well, which is interesting. They have said that sales for the 14 weeks from February 2nd were down 32.1% on the same period last year, and that they're reporting a loss of 2.8 million. So they're expecting trade going forward to be less than last year. I'm sort of like, hey, a loss of 2.8 million, that's not all that bad, really. Um, and 32.1%, considering all your stores were closed, you know, it means you're able to do some online sales. That's not too bad, you know, that's not going to threaten the company. And I guess a company like Hallenstein, say, compared to Kathmandu, which has run a much more conservative balance sheet, is in a position to not prosper necessarily, but get through this, is to sail through these hard times and hopefully come out the other side as a, as a company that, you know, can continue to do well for its shareholders. Anyway, enough with the retailers. Let's talk about Abano Healthcare. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. There's ABA on the NZX. Actually, they have a lot of similar characteristics to a retailer. You know, they've got, I guess, a, a network of locations like a retailer does and a network of leases. So they're opening up all the dentists. I hate going to the dentist, so I'm not going to be rushing back. I wonder if the pent-up demand situation is different for dentists. Um, I guess it's not. There'll be pent-up demand for dentists as well. They're giving an EBITDA guidance of between 17 and 20 million. Um, 
Oh no, that's what they're expecting in this current financial year matching their guidance. Sorry, I read there wrong. They, they, they had a good quote in their update I'll read. As previously advised, it is expected that the business will make a full recovery to pre-COVID-19 earnings levels over time and as patient levels patient patient visits build back up. However, clarity cannot be provided on how long this will take. So that's pretty much the same boat that everybody is in. Um, they basically they are thinking things will return to normal. Um, but we don't know when. And because of this, they're not providing any guidance for the year 2021. So let's, let's move on to another company, Freightways. Um, I don't think we've spoken about Freightways much on the podcast before, and it surprises me. I don't actually know that much about them, but just looking through their website before I'm recording this, it's actually you know, quite an, an interesting company. It's, I feel like it's a company I, I should know more about. I think I've generally just skimmed past them um, because I always felt the valuation was too high. Um, but they own New Zealand couriers, post-haste couriers, you know, DX Mail, Sub60, you know, a bunch of brands that you've Kiwi Express just scrolling through now, a bunch of brands that you probably would have heard of. I've actually, I used to work for Post Haste back in the day when I was at university. It was like one of the worst jobs I've ever had. My job was basically get up at like four in the morning or something stupid and go and sort out the boxes into different bins for different courier drivers and the courier drivers were all really angry so you'd have to know the town that you're in really well and put the box in the different courier drivers and you'd always make mistakes they'd always yell at you it was awful actually before I quit there they accidentally deposited like three thousand dollars into my bank account I was like 18 years old and like all this money showed in my bank account and I was I was just like absolutely shocked you know it's one of those things you hear about someone just ending up with all this money and you think you know, maybe I would have left the company there and never heard from them again. But I was too honest. I, I called up the company and I said, look, you deposited all this money in my bank account. And they're like, no, we didn't. And I'm like, ah, you did. We definitely did. And they're like, no, 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 we, we, we wouldn't have done that. And I'm like, oh, okay then. So I just left it. And then <laughs> like a week later, I get this call from an extremely apologetic HR company saying that, no, HR from Post Haste saying that, oh, actually, you you were right. We did deposit the money. We don't know how it happened. We're really sorry, really sorry. I'm like, you don't have to be sorry. You sent a bunch of money to me. I'm not complaining. Um, and then the money just magically disappeared from my bank account. I don't know how it happened. I didn't even know that was possible, but it just vanished, um, disappeared from my bank account. And I got the, like, you wouldn't know this existed, but the biggest box of roses chocolates that you've ever seen sent to me in the post like you never I, I guess the post haste drivers delivered it themselves but you didn't know box of roses came in this sort of um size and it sort of made me think man if they, they actually had no idea if i'd never said anything i'd still have that money now that would obviously be a bit dodgy and i wouldn't have done it but they literally had no idea they transferred me all that money which was a tremendous amount of money for me at the time still a lot of money now mind you could have bought some freight freightway shares with it anyway so I have to say that my first thought was that these guys would be less impacted by lockdowns than some other companies. But they said that their revenue dropped 32% in April, which is fascinating. Um, volume declined by more than 60%. I guess this is a good, of, a good barometer for the wider economy as well. It's one of those ones where you can read their report and get an update of a small picture of how the economy is doing. So volume initially declined by more than 60% as we entered level four. The mix of business was different with a higher proportion of deliveries to consumers, which is logical when you think about it. They said that activity 
over level four grew to just under half of the previous volume. And I'll read a, a quote directly now. The commence, commencement of level three saw a significant increase in activity as business customers returned to online operations and processed a backlog of orders. So there's that pent up demand again. With a number of items on some days approximating Christmas peak levels, so they're flat out. This also saw the share of business deliveries B2B increase again, although not to the pre-alert level 4 levels. I sort of felt like driving around Auckland that a lot of people may have decided to go back to work and get things going again on Monday. You know, level 2 happened on Thursday or whenever it was. A lot of people would have gone, oh, let's just have a long weekend and, and get back into it on Monday. I reckon that's what's happened even though you've just had a month off. <laughs> the CEO said, while it was pleasing to see our depots and couriers busy again under level three, the future remains uncertain, not knowing what impact a weaker economic environment will have on our activity levels does make it difficult to project forward activity levels. Same as everyone else, really. So it seems like they've weathered the first part of the storm and it is what happens next is key. And this is what it's like for everyone at the moment, whether you're a stock market investor, whether you're a CEO of Freightways, whether you are you know, someone that just has a regular job. You know, most people are just waiting to see what happens at the moment. Right, just before I go, just a, a quick word about where you can listen to the podcast. I saw a negative review about the podcast online that said that you need to be able to receive it on Apple devices, which you can receive it on your podcast Apple devices. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it most places where you receive podcasts, you just need to type in stock market movers. Um, you, a lot you can also listen to the anchor link. I, I post the anchor link each each week on on Facebook. But probably most places where you receive your podcasts, you can listen to. So whether it's Spotify, I listen to most of my spot my podcasts between Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. And I know you can. I don't listen to my own podcast, but I know you can listen to it on that so thanks again for listening in a bit of a different episode today with a bit more political chat and less company news and that was just because there was less company news this week as a reminder that nothing is that i said today should be considered financial advice if you're looking to find out more about the podcast go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like on facebook share it with your friends also email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz once again my name is jeremy Mether, and this has been episode 85 of the stock market movers podcast for saturday the 16th of may 2020 we'll see you all again next week